All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Oilers Nation Radio, episode 108. I am Bag Milk, here with Tyler Urem, Chuck, Rick, and Nation Dan. We are here for episode 108 of the best Oilers podcast on earth. And we are going to start this off by shouting out our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant out in Sherwood Park, Alberta. It is time to winterize your vehicle. I don't know where you're listening to this or uh, when you're listening to this, but right now I'm looking out my window a little bit and it is snowing. First snowfall of the year in Edmonton is coming. It is perfect time to start thinking about winter tires, car starters, whatever you need. Our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant are here to help. You can go ahead and follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. And as we like to do to kick off our podcast, we're going to start this off with the Sherwood Ford Giant Questions of the Week. Mr. Uremchuk, take it away. Short forward, giant question of the week. We've all seen what Ken Holland has been up to over the last week here. Is he done, though? That's the big question. Is this it? Is the Oilers roster as it stands right now the way it's going to look on opening day? Or is Uncle Ken, does he maybe have something else? Does he have another trick up his sleeve? What do you guys think? Well, before we get started here, I think that let's look at what he's done. So last week when we recorded the podcast, we were right in the middle of free agency. Shit was happening. We were all excited. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to do. Um, So at that point, Kyle Turris signed. Mm -hmm. At that point, Tyler Ennis signed. Bully Arvey was back. But what we didn't get was Tyson Berry happened the next day on Saturday. Cheap deal, one-year deal. It's reported by basically everyone that's an insider that he took less money to come to Edmonton. 
Way um, less money. Which is something you don't hear very often, but I like it. And then another one that came almost very quickly after was Mike Smith back in on another one-year deal worth a max of $2 million bucks if he hits his bonuses, starting at $1.5, max $2 bucks. So back to the Sherwood Ford giant question of the week is Ken Holland done, gentlemen. Rick, I'm going to start with you. You're, uh, what are you thinking? Uh, I, I don't think so, but that's not to say that this isn't the roster going in. Um, I think a good GM never closes the door on that type of stuff. So I would assume he's still making phone calls, still accepting phone calls, uh, still looking at making little tweaks here and there. But I think he's also proven that he's not willing to overspend for anything. So I think he'll be out there looking, but I can't guarantee he actually does anything. It's all up to whether or not the other GM is going to uh, kind of play ball with us. Dan, what do you think? I still think with uh, with the injury to Clefbaum, uh, with him not really being able to move around much on the defense, I think he goes out and probably finds another veteran defenseman just to kind of you know fill in the gaps once uh, once we get closer to the season here. Uh, but I you know I I understand his you know his desire to just say he's done so that that way we don't. Uh, we don't speculate too much, but I think that the defense probably needs a little bit more uh, solidification, especially like we talked about with uh, with these teams playing in COVID. You know, an opportunity for them to contract COVID and have that affect the roster going forward. So you need to have you need to have some NHL ready defensemen to be able to pick up the pick up the slack, and maybe they they start the season in Bakersfield. But I think that this is probably the roster that we see started. I just think that he he has to make a couple more small minutia moves. Tyler? Yeah, I think there's going to be two more moves coming, and I think they're both going to be for left shots. I think he'll go get a left winger somewhere, just a guy who, like, I he's not going to cost you more than, like, 1.4, 1.3 million. I'm looking at a guy like Dominic Cahoon, right? Someone who might have the potential, if he clicks with someone, to be in your top nine, or he might just be a fringe guy who's your extra skater every once in a while. But a guy like that with some offensive potential on the left side up front, and on the back end, I agree with Dan. I think that he's going to go get, maybe not a veteran, but a capable NHL option for the left side just because injuries happen and I'm not sure if they're entirely confident in William Lagason being their fourth best left shot D-man. They might want something in there to uh, as a bit more of an insurance policy. So I think a left winger and a left shot, neither one making more than 1.4 million bucks. Uh, Gregor this morning on OethersNation.com reporting the Oilers did make an offer to Cahoon, but it was a little bit shy of what he was looking for. However, he's still unsigned, so there is potential to make that happen. One thing that, uh, since we're talking about a left shot D-man, he had he just thought it'd be fun to look at a an aging veteran who seems to still be able to do it despite the fact that he is two thousand years old. Oh, and a lot fella. of a lot of people on the nation really liked the idea of bringing in Zidane Chara on a one year, provided that you could get him for cheap. The guy has made. All the money in the world that he's ever going to need, he still wants to play. And at nine thousand years old, his options could be limited. Would there be any interest from anyone here in that happening? I. Uh, it would be great because Chara is a legend, and it'd be cool to see him in Oilers colors. It's just not a fit. I think he would look at the Oilers depth chart and kind of go Nurse, Jones, Russell. You know, there's three NHLers there. I'd imagine Chara, if he's going to come back and play, wants to go somewhere where he's playing every single game or close to it. And I would also imagine there was talk that, you know, he has a, I believe he has a young family and things like that. I'm not sure if he wants to uproot them on a one-year deal to come to Edmonton in the middle of a pandemic. With Chara, I have a feeling it's Boston or somewhere on that East Coast, or it's just not going to happen. 
play him all the cool time. To, oh, that'd be kind of cool to see him play instead of Russell, though, no? No, 100%. Well, sure, but I mean, maybe that's like a, you have a trade for Chris Russell, so you move him out, then you go spend yeah. $2 million on Chara, then you use your $2 million to go get something else kind of thing. But I just, yeah. that's a lot of hoops to jump through. And then through. he plays all the defensive minutes, and, you know, he plays the, the bigger load of the defensive minutes, and it's, it's, tough, it's to, tough to do, but yeah, yeah. I don't see it happening. Ken? Oh, I have time for him on this team. I, I think back to this team when we brought in an Adam Oates when he was way past his prime, but he came in and he helped lead some of the younger people uh, along. Oh, Jared to be Stoll able had to, to take faceoffs. Exactly. Yeah, Jared Stoll points to him as the as the reason he knows to do that. So I think that there's I think that there's a, a purpose to it. But I agree with you guys. I think that there's there's no real way he ends up anywhere other than on the East Coast somewhere in and around Boston. But uh, so Sam, I, Sam, I would love to see it. The family thing that I don't think is that big of a thing because I don't think those guys like uproot their families. They no, but I you guys hang out here and I'll see in a little bit type of situation. But he's comfortable playing on the East Coast. That's just you know, and that's I think we've seen that a lot with a lot of players uh, as they go on in years. They they like to stay on the coast that they're used to. Uh, well, that's, know, Patty Marlowe. That's, that's a select few. I mean, Patty Marlowe plays on the other coast, then went to Toronto and back to the other coast. But I mean, but it's more like he was, yeah, but he's more uh, and yeah, but I mean, you can't even that's that's not a thing because in the West Coast. The travel is horrendous. When you play on the East, it's for the travel, right? Like when they say play on the coast, they're talking about play on the East because your travel is way less. I remember there a year where like Ovechkin slept in his bed like almost every night after January 1st. Whereas, you know, on the West Coast, you're on the plane damn near more than anything else, right? So I don't know. These guys, they like to play hockey, man. Sometimes, you know, what? that's what it comes down to. A guy like him, he's still playing at his age. I don't think he's too worried about where he ends up playing he just wants to keep playing the thing that i mean uh, according to this came up because uh pierre lebron on tsn on the insiders said that he's exploring all options Bruins still the front runner but he's kind of looking at anybody that shows interest so that's kind of why we why we looked at it but he is set to turn 44 years old in march um, wait did you say 44 44 yeah really yeah March 18th, he'll turn 44. But but there's a guy that if you're playing a 50-game season, or if you're playing, even if you're playing an 82-game season, if he's playing half your games, you're not, you're not crying and and you've, you've got a fresher, you know, left side for the playoffs. Like, I I think he's, I think he's worth looking at for if the money is right. I'd flip him for Chris Russell for sure. Just to talk about it because it's fun. Uh, Chara did average more than 20 minutes for the Bruins last year and they were all in their defensive zone he had a 35.7 ozone start which is nothing so he was playing the hard minutes in boston last year even at two thousand. he's a gym rat dude that guy i feel like we aren't talking about this enough maybe i'm just an idiot and haven't been paying attention i thought he was like 39 or 40 no no he's 44 bro he's played like 1500 games in his nhl career that's nuts he's eating 20 minutes a day that's damn yeah that's exactly it He's a freak. Closing in, he's closing in on the record for most games played. No, that's Marlowe. Marlowe is. That's Marlowe, okay, on, on Gordy? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like 55 he, away. He's going to break it. Chara can't, can't be that far behind. Chara's, Chara's 200 games back of Marlowe. Oh, shit. Really? That know, much? Eh? Oh, I just, I just closed the fucking Big injury? Damn it. Um, man, that's have, I can't think of a big injury for him, can you? Although so, I imagine when the big man does get hurt, that's like a tree falling in the woods, you know what I mean? You need like a nine-person medical staff to attend to him. Uh, yeah, so it takes a day and a half for him to hit the ice. There you go. Chara, in his career, has played 1553. 
and Patrick Marlowe in his career as I talk very slowly to allow NHL.com to load. Uh, Marlowe has played 17-23. So, yeah, like, there's, wow. there's a gap. I think part of the thing was Chara's first season was 97-98. So he didn't yeah. break into the league until he was, like, 20-21. Yeah, Whereas, defenseman break in versus... Uh, oh, actually, no, they both broke in in the same year. Gotta be injuries, then. So Marlowe's yeah. been healthier. Holy fuck. The, well, but what do you mean, like, the lowest what number of playoffs? games that... Chara has played outside of a lockout year at 48 games in a lockout year. He played 63 games one year and 62 games. Can I read you the games played in Marlowe's career? Yeah, please. Okay, so this year he played 64, which I think was all of them because most teams only got 64. And then it goes 82, 82, 82, 82, 82, 82, 48 lockout year. 82, 82, 82, 76, 78, 77, 82, 80, 82, 79, 81, 81, 81, 74. God, it's like that's fucked. Man, that, so the fact that yeah, that the fact that Chara took is, like two nights off a game a season puts him behind Marlowe. That durability <laughs> from Marlowe, I didn't that's know insane. that Tyler until you ran through it. Like that durability, that's impressive. That's really fucking impressive. Playing in a considering tough the Western playing, conference, yeah, like that's crazy. Either that or Patrick Marlowe is really really into physical pain and he's got no need for a safe word. You know what I mean? <laughs> or he has been on steroids this whole time and has somehow skirted the NHL drug policy. I don't believe that to be true. That Neither is Tyler Uremchak's <laughs> alleged opinion and not those of the rest of us on the podcast. <laughs> so back to the question, is Ken Holland done? Minor no. tweaks? Yeah, minor tweaks though. Yeah, I think so. A couple, a couple at, least at, least yeah. at least he's looking still. And like, obviously yeah. not done because we know that Ethan Barrett needs a contract. That's going to get done. Um, the other thing too, like this year, there's so many quality free agents still on the market and no one has money. I think this could be a sky high year for hashtag PTO everyone. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I think, I think we right, could man. see a ton of PTOs this year. And Edmonton is a great spot to take a professional tryout. You get an exhibition I'm, game where you play next to Connor. Oh, baby, or next to Leon or wherever. I, this is a great spot to take a gamble. We saw Barry do it. We saw Urus, or Turris and Ennis do it to an extent. I combine their names there. Um, but like a, guy like, a, guy, a guy like Anthony DeClaire. How that many last be... year's scratch tickets end up disappearing then? Like the, the Euros. Oh, I mean, the I knee mean, guards. Like uh, if someone comes in and outper- outperforms knee guard in, uh, in, in Gaetan Hawes in camp, you know, man, they're taking off. Are we going to lose a couple of those guys this year? Are those, are those scratch tickets going to be done if we PTO but, a bunch of guys? But if if you PTO guys and they come in and earn jobs over Nygaard oh, and stuff, I'm, dude, you I'm don't not care, against right? it. I'm just asking a question. Yeah, I'm not against it at all. I want the best players on the team here. So, yeah, whoever wins, wins. I really don't well, care about that. I think as of right now on the lineup, the only scratch ticket we have is Archibald, right? He'd be the yeah, only I, guy I, that I you would say is penciled in the lineup. Nygaard and Haas, yeah. I think, are too. No. Well, I guess, looking at well, are you bumping Kara out? I'm, I'm looking at Puckpedia. I'm actually surprised Kara's still here, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Haas, I think, and I think Tippett trusts Gaetan Haas too. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Haas plays a lot more this year, a lot more than some people think. He did um, seem to, you know what, to me, I thought Gaetan Haas actually last year, as the season went on, coming over from the Swiss League, it took yeah. him a minute, but then he looked a lot better as the season progressed. He's got wheels, he's a right-handed uh, centerman, can play on the wing. I think that that versatility tip would probably like. And um, I would have Nygaard in the lineup over Chase on. 
Yeah, but you know, we know that's not going to happen, though. I know, but like for me, one, I would be trying to move Chase on's cap hit, um, and two, like I just think he's a slow boots bottom six guy who can contribute on the power play. Just put James Neal in that spot and put Nygaard in, man. Get more speed in that bottom six. Like I like Chase on; he seems like a great dude, but I think there are better options. I think I'd rather have Nygaard in the lineup over him. Yeah, he kind of filled a spot when we needed him, and. We're at a point now where we don't need that spot filled by a player like him anymore. And I, instead of putting Neil there, I know I sound uh, a little favoritism here, but I'd I take a look <laughs> and put 98 there. It's just that right handed shot, man. You saw what um, Bulletestu did all those years ago, right? And even Chason. It's that right handed shot when you get down to that post and you get a bang pucks in. It, it's just Neil's shooting the wrong way. You're not in that. You're not in that spot. So. I'd like uh, I'd like a right. Uh, to be fair, I think I'd rather have Yamamoto there first. But I know everyone likes to talk about the size, the size, and the beating you take in front of the net. Well, here's a much bigger guy, stronger guy. But you know, I, I get it. Like he has to win the spot first. But if I was penciling in the power play right now, I think I'd be looking at Puliarvi as I'd be at least hoping that he wins that spot because I think he can be a lot better, a lot more effective than Chason has been. It- to follow that along, I also wouldn't mind a better mix of handedness on the power play because there was how many games last year did they run an all five lefty power play? Well, um, we got Tyson, Barry, we got Tyson Barry's going to be away, there, right? of course. Tyson Barry's going to help, uh, and he distributes the puck really well. But like, also, I, I having another one out there probably would help, like especially with the amount that Connor Nuge and Leon move around. Yeah. If the I'd Oilers put, wanted, I'd put Yamo and Fully over there first before I put Neil there. If the Oilers wanted to, they could honestly build such a good second power play unit. Like if you took Nugent <laughs> Hopkins off and threw a right shot on that side, your second power play unit could be Nuge, Yamamoto, Ethan Bear running it, Kyle Turris, who's a good power play producer as well, like an Ennis even. Like you could build a really yeah. good second power. Play. They shouldn't. They should just run the supernova yeah. group. But I agree, a right shot in that mix, and Barry's gonna do that. Like. Connor McDavid in his career has really never had a booming right shot D man to feed one timers to on the power play. He's got that now. He's never had it, yeah. Yeah. He's and I um I think that Tyson Berry's gonna make it's gonna be interesting to see what just a different look on defense does. Because it was a lot of the times it was cleft bomb last year. Tyson Berry's gonna bring a different flavor to that power play that was very, very good last year. And while I do agree that they could put together a decent second power play, I just don't see what what's the point? There is no point. There what's the point? point? When the big boys are just gonna get it done on the first try, like yeah. you just have a nice set of you just have a nice line that's ready to go out there for the last fifteen seconds of the power play. Well, I was just gonna say and into the yeah. next forty five seconds. Yeah, They're, the big boys are playing a minute thirty of every power play now. Yeah, so yeah you, get 30, really you get fifteen thirty seconds, and then you're also out there. If you got to keep the puck in their end, you got to you know take advantage of the fact they're out of gas and they get the new player out there. That's your guys' power play, power play too. Going back to just is Holland done for a second, just to wrap it up. I think it's going to be interesting around the league how many people are hashtag PTAing everyone because. There's a lot of players out there that just they would get more in any other year than 2020. And there's a lot of guys that are like still waiting for deals. Like I'm still on Athens U watch. I he's not coming back here, but I would love to know where he's going and I'd love to know for how much he signs for. But again, he, he might be a guy who like I I heard a rumor Vancouver kicked around on him a little bit but decided they need a defenseman. There are not a lot of teams with significant money to spend. Athens, you might be a guy who just goes, you know what? 
I need to go somewhere for a million five and I need to reestablish myself and hit the market again next year and try this whole song and dance one more time. Then I wonder like why he wouldn't want to do that here. I, me too. That's why I'm not completely closing the door on it. Like we're talking about a cheap left winger who could, you know, make an impact offensively. Why not try bring him back? It's probably going to cost you more than one and a half. But if he's not getting deals anywhere, like what's he asking for? Who are you going to take out the lineup for him? Like, can he can he kill I'm, penalties? I'm trading Chase on. I, or like I think that's got to be a move here at some point. Is you're finding a way okay, to offload Chase? Okay, but we still on. have we still have Haas, who's not technically in the top twelve right now. Injuries happen. Like you want to have an extra like body kicking around. No, hey, listen, injuries. I completely get that. But are you going to be able to sell a guy like Double A on? Hey, you're 13, but you're first in type of situation. I don't think he would be even. I think you could look at him and say you're going to be an everyday player as long as you're producing because he would be. So then you obviously it looks like JJ and Jason come out, Haas and Double A go in. Yeah, why not? I and think then, that makes sense. And then Nigard, yeah, Nigard's still on the outside. But he's your 13. Um, you throw no, him that's, Yeah, no, 100%. 100% I, don't, I don't think it's happening, guys. Like, I, I think I don't. if AA is going to do it, he's, gonna go, he's just going to go somewhere like Colorado on a, I don't on think a we're smoking deal and. I don't think. I just think that, like, I think that I think that like you look at Taylor Hall and how he got offered. He got offered less money to go play in Colorado than, he, than apparently we did. Um, but you know, he he went and found money in Buffalo. Like, fantasy was going to go find money somewhere and 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 get paid. You know, as he probably should. And then and then addressing a year, year or two. No, but, he ain't get what he got last year. I think he's going to get he's going to get some kind of money from somebody. Like, I, I just. I, I feel like these guys that have waited it out are just kind of waiting to find that money now. Like, yeah, I don't think that these guys are wanting to find these, a dance partner. Yeah, these, teams teams aren't gonna, these teams aren't going to find no bags of money to hand out, though. It's like a guy yeah, like Cahoon. Like, if Gregor says he said no to Edmonton because it wasn't enough money. If you're a guy like Dominic Cahoon, you should probably just be looking for the best fit. And the other thing, too, like, let's say Edmonton's offer is 300K shy of what you thought it would be. Okay, let's put that into terms of this year's pandemic where 300K, that difference, is getting cut down 28% because of that's what they're apparently going to lose in escrow. And it could potentially get cut down another 25% if the season isn't a full 82 games, if they only play 60 and they start prorating salaries. Like now, do now they, is that what they do? If they end up playing a 48, 60 game season, are they going to get prorated down oh yeah. to that? Oh, yeah. And that's why I, that's, this is why I still don't understand why the players are okay with pushing back to January 1st or even February 1st as the Vegas owner spilled there the other day. Like for them, you want to make as much money as possible. Dude, get get out there in December. Get yeah, out but there the December players don't 1st. have a ton of control over that. If we oh, saw that, it was the same thing in baseball this year. The players wanted to play, man, and the owners, I mean, the word was the owners were just kind of pushing it to keep prorating salaries. Yeah, I guess uh, I don't. I suppose you know the owners. Their only real benefit is uh, fans in the seats, and obviously that's not really well. You can get some fans in the seats from December first. Well, the oil kings are pushing. Even in Canada, oil, you might be able to do it. The oil kings are asking for five hundred, five hundred or five thousand people. I think it is at Ooh, their games. Five thousand is almost as much as they had at games last year. Like that's yeah, more than I think. That, I think that they would they would open up the arena seats. though. You can spread that out the, pretty well, can't yeah. you? Yeah, if you open up the whole barn, for sure. Yeah, I think that's what I that's what I heard. So like, you got to imagine that the NHL teams are going to be pushing for that, especially when you look at you know 
the Florida Panthers, if they're playing a home game, are going to be able to have the entire arena filled, which is terrifying seven, to think. It's but 17, it's 17 fans. It'll be fine. Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be able to have a okay, that's a different field, right? Like, so, like you know, you just look around the league, and some of these teams are going to be operating at at full capacity, and they some of the teams are going to be begging for. They won't be doing that. Even like the football teams have been offered the same thing, and they have sat back and said, "No, we're not." I don't doing know, man. Because I, I just I college football stadiums filled. That's yeah, but they're, they're not filling them at all. They're like thirty percent full. Because I, I watched, I listened to the Bill Foley interview this morning. I'm working on something for the nation for the weekend. And um, he basically said, without saying it, like, what is the benefit to me as an oiler, uh, as an owner of putting up all the risk of covering salaries, et cetera, et cetera, but I can't cover my costs because I can't sell tickets and merch and food and all the things that go into it. He's like, yeah, there's the TV deals available, but that's not enough. Bill Foley should be He's lucky like, he has an NHL Are we also going to be expected are we also going to be expected to fly around the country to go to empty arenas? He's like, it, financially, it doesn't make sense. Baseball made it make sense. Unless yeah, other teams, other sports, yeah, other sports are doing it, right? And you're not going to be by December 1st, January 1st, February 1st, you're not going to be at zero fans. Even if they start December 1st, I think you're going to be able, every arena out there is going to be able to put out a certain percentage of fans. Um, some being higher, some being lower, but what it is, what it is. So I don't think you're ever going to be at a point now where it's going to be zero fans. So I think they just need to, they need to get it going as soon as, as, as soon as, or as, yeah, as soon as possible, you know, figure out all the wrinkles. And I understand there's still things change day by day, twice in a day. So you really, it's tough to put down long-term plans, but the earlier, the better. If you ask me, man, we're going to look at what that might look like in a minute but first i want to give a shout out to our friends at skip again i'm looking outside it is snowing in the city of edmonton and to me that makes a perfect sense to chill in your house wrap up in a nice little blanket cuddle with your favorite erm chuck and order yourself a nice little dinner could be anything you want maybe it's soup season it's soup season around here nice bowl of pho that'd do a really nice job for your stomach right now go to skip find one of many many options and as tyler always says tip your drivers they're putting themselves out there for you and you should avoid them for it as well skip get yourself some meat now i've been talking about this for probably two months on this podcast the idea of an all canadian division if the border remains closed it looks like it could be one of the options that gets us back on the ice now it's a little bit sticky and it's a little bit weird but at the same point, we just wrapped up the weirdest Stanley Cup playoffs in NHL history. I don't care. I'm all for it. I love the idea of playing against the other Canadian teams over and over again, building the rivalries, building the hatred, building just animosity with fans that actually care about the game. Outside of Ottawa, Ottawa sucks. Did the you go over the schedule? Did you go over the results last year? No, I didn't. But that's the pressure. I have them here. Please. Vancouver, we're two and two. Calgary, one win, three losses. Winnipeg, one win, two losses. Montreal, two wins, no losses. Toronto, one and one. Ottawa, zero oh and one. We are seven and eight overall. And all Canadian division scares the shit out of me. No, fuck it. We're winning it all. You think that the Battle of Alberta was heated before? Wait until we have to play Kachuk nineteen times a year. Yeah, and I'm not worried about that. Kachuk. I'm worried about the guy that's playing today, Mad Giampani or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> that dude lit us up all the goddamn time. I just think that I think that you 
you can throw out all the previous results out the window. It's it's a new season. The Oilers get to game plan for seven teams or six other teams. Like, uh, let's go. Let's they get, get a the game season plan started for us right too. now. They get a yeah, game plan for us too. Try and I stop just, Leon and Connor. Leon and Connor times, are going to embarrass the Ottawa Senators. How many times have we gone to Calgary? Year. How many times have we gone to Calgary and given a fucking big, large spoonful of loss? It sucks. Every loss sucks so much more when. Well, it's guess Canadian what? Team. We don't have to go to Calgary anymore. That's not a good thing. I want to go to Calgary. <laughs> I uh... I want to go to Calgary. I want to get in fights in the sand. I want to have them all angry at me before the fucking first puck drops. That's Which fun stuff. Which happens every but, time. Man, could you imagine if we got to do some with wins? Like you think you think we hated Leaf fans before? Try playing them nineteen times a year. <laughs> oh. I just I think that the the banter, the back and forth with different fan bases, the rivalries, the hatred. Like I just love the idea of uh like. That's ten back to back weekend, like home and homes against the Flames. Just that's ten amazing. times each of those teams for a sixty game season. Yeah, but who's but who's beating us in the standings? I think we need we. I think that Canadian division might be the best out of all of them. Like outside of Ottawa, Montreal made some huge improvements, and Carey Price yep. and Shea Weber are there. Toronto is yeah. Toronto. They are good. You can't that that offense yeah. is good. They can go Winnipeg, off anytime. Connor Hellebuck between the pipes, man. If they can get a blue liner here, like if they sign Travis Hamannick, although he's not, you know, the best option out there anymore, but if they get their blue line sorted out, Winnipeg's a contender. Calgary's good. They got Markstrom. Vancouver's good as well if Demko holds up and if Holpe has a bit of a bounce back here. Big like, ifs, though. Big ifs. And there's ifs everywhere. There's ifs in Edmonton with Koskinen and Smith, too. I, yeah, I think that Canadian division is very, very scary. And uh, I, as an Oilers fan, ugh, that, that makes me nervous. It'll I refuse to. I refuse to accept this mentality. I It'll like. Yeah. Fun, but you're gonna get ulcers. You guys have to realize you're gonna get. You're gonna get <laughs> nervous ulcers. No, we can. We'll we can fine. Google how to deal with them. But I promise you, the nerves going into each of these games are gonna be silly. You're gonna need a lot of brand early on in the day, my man. Can, man right, it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a great time. I, I'm glad Dan's with me on this one. So I just like. I think that this would be a challenge where Connor looks at it like, I want to be the best team in Canada. And he goes supernova, especially after 12 months of training. Around hey, he, wanted to be the best, he wanted to be the best in the world uh, in July or June or August or whenever the hell we were playing Chicago. We went out he out did his part. A hundred percent. But he's only out there 22 minutes a game. I, just, I, I love the better. idea. Okay, so this is what I'm asking for. If you're listening to this podcast right now, Hit us up on ON Radio Podcast on Twitter or Instagram or slide into any of our DMs and let us know how you think the Oilers would match up in an all-Canadian division. It'd be tougher than playing just the regular division, that's for sure. We're not losing to Montreal. We're not losing to Ottawa. We're going to be lost to Ottawa more times than we we've lose. We've lost to, to Ottawa. Ottawa has like a bunch of AHL players. We go out there and we're like, everyone's playing with the wrong-handed stick and we're still sleepy. We've never got like those are the games. They're usually like day games too, like a Saturday day game. We don't yeah. get up for those games. It's frustrating as hell to watch that stuff. Yeah, but now also, they're a division rival. I also don't think that Vancouver's improved this offseason. No, and I Vancouver actually doesn't though, scare me a lot. Vancouver doesn't scare me, but Winnipeg scares me. Calgary, yeah. Toronto, they scare me. But all these teams, they get jacked up to play the best in the world, right? Well, you've got two of the best in the world on our team. 
You're never going to get a sleeper performance by those guys. They're always going to get jacked up to play us. But if you want to win the Stanley Cup, you got to beat the best teams anyway. And a whole season worth of hitting the trenches against a very tough division, I mean, maybe that preps them for a run. Yeah, I'm, I'm down whenever they make a schedule. I'm good with it. It's, it is what it is. Let's just get the games going again. But yeah, it, it terrifies me. It'll be cool. And it'll be fun. Hindsight, hopefully, we'll, be, we'll look back and, uh, and be successful. But I'm telling you guys, you're going to go into games. We're going to get nervous ulcers. Anxiety is going to kick in. Like it's it's going to be some. How how good is the nation banter going to be though? Just like the the, oh, the team sites just sniping each other. Like dude, oh. nation beer sales are going to go through the roof. It'll be the yeah. best. And hopefully, beat sales go the exact opposite. Exactly. I am beat free since August, whenever the weather shot themselves. So I'd like to keep <laughs> that going for as long as possible. Um, I want to touch on this because last week when we did the podcast, Tyson Berry hadn't signed yet. I just want to touch on him quickly. What did everybody think of the money he got? And him, I love the fact that he bet on himself on a one-year deal to come into Edmonton. He already mentioned he was excited to play with Connor Leon and Nuge. He said that in his like uh, entry interview. What do you guys think about Barry at 375? 375. I think, it's a, I think it's a good number. I mean, you, you, you're looking at Going into that, everyone's predicting numbers, you know, five, six, even north of that. Uh, so I think at that number, it's good. I don't think he's betting on himself as much as he is uh, betting on those around him. I think he's he's, he's uh, surrounded himself with the best he could do. Um, the only thing I'm a little bit scared of is signing is after a, a really good year, signing him long term and kind of maybe. Uh, booting out uh, a Bouchard or something like that. I'd still rather see him come in for one good year, put up some massive points, get your contract elsewhere, but I still want to see uh, Bouchard be in his role come next year. Yeah, I, I think, think... Oh, sorry, go ahead, then. I was just going to say, I, I, coming into this, I, I'm pretty sure on the last episode I said that that the, the non-signing of, uh, of Benning, to me, signaled that they were looking at a Barry type and he came in at the number below the number that I thought he would. So yeah, I think it's a it's a phenomenal signing. Uh, I still think that there is work to be done on the defense to be able to be ready for the season going forward. But but yeah, Barry coming in is perfect. Sorry, Tyler, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say like a couple of years ago, not replacing Sekera sunk them right. Like that killed them. Yep. Yep. And yep. they haven't completely replaced Clefbaum. I think they're it's gonna be a little by committee. Are gonna need Jones to play a bigger role. At five on five, you're going to need Russell to play like he did in the playing round for probably a whole season. But going out and getting that power play producer, an elite power play producer in Tyson Berry, it, it fills a big part of that hole. It's a great signing. And I touched on this on Real Life a little bit. It's great to see these guys taking discounts to play in Edmonton. And it's a bit of that McDavid Drysidle effect that we talked about where, you know, we're not all of a sudden getting high-end free agent, you know, like the superstar names to commit here long-term, but Edmonton all of a sudden is the destination you look at to go, there's a good chance I can turn around my career there. I can have a career year with the Edmonton Oilers. And it's cool to see, like, Torres took a little bit less money. Barry took a little bit less money. Ennis, I think, definitely took less money as well to come back here. So I it was it's nice to see, and I think the Barry edition, it's going to be huge. I think it could even make them a more exciting team at five on five with that guy snapping pucks up to McDavid and Drysaddle off the rush and Nugent Hopkins. I think he'll keep the tempo up when he's on the ice. He might be a tire fire in his own end once in a while, but all in all, I think he makes them a more exciting team. If anything, that's what I was going to say. Like the thing about Tyson Berry that Oilers fans need to know, like now too sweet is this guy is not a defensive specialist. And if that's what you're expecting from him, you're going to be bummed out about it. 
Yeah. But what he can do and has consistently done throughout his career, especially after Babcock got fired in Toronto last year, is put up points. So do we get ourselves a Sanders Ozilin here? Maybe. Possibly. Hey, just just seeing who's old enough to uh to, to catch that reference. I know who you know, he like, is. I never watched him play. That dude is, you know, he was terrifying in his own end when it came to the puck. Yeah, but, uh, as soon as he had that puck and he was going north, then the other team was all was it was pretty scared. Isn't he the only player to have worn like the logo of a team that he wasn't on at an All Star game? Too. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, John Scott him. did that. Oh uh, yeah, oh, that's true. When he was the NHL though, Oslinch got <laughs> traded like during the break and had to play where yeah. the uh, first team. His original team's <laughs> jersey. That he got well, nominated yeah. by. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before I move off Barry, uh, this kind of circled the internet this week. Oilers fans hotly debating whether or not he should be allowed to wear Ryan Smith's number 94 as he did last year in Toronto. He did wear number four in Colorado. Chris Russell wears four here. He did wear 41 in Colorado. He, we yesterday on Real Life made ourselves look like assholes and said, maybe he wears 44. Nobody <laughs> thinking that Cassian wears 44 already. So we don't know what he's going to wear. He hasn't said it yet. He hasn't said anything. However, the question for today, gentlemen, is it okay for him to wear a legend's number? A legend in our hearts more so than necessarily the overall you know, this isn't Gretzky we're talking about, but it's Smitty. He's a heart and soul guy that everybody in the city loves. Tyson Berry wearing 94. Yes or no, Rick? No. There is, dude, there's a lot of digits out there, a lot of different numbers to go with. Don't put that extra BS on you even. Like, I mean, we saw what happened when, uh, when, when Lowe gave it to Hall, right? I mean, this is a guy who may only be here for one year as well. Like, yep. It's not going to kill you. You've worn 41. You, dude, just go pick another number. It's not that hard. He can he can wear whatever number he wants. Do I think it's the best idea for him? He can't wear whatever he's, number he wants. When he comes, you know. Well, but when he comes into the organization, he he said he doesn't want it. He wants to escape a lot of the media criticism. Well, you're gonna you're gonna bring on some kind of critique to you if you wear the number ninety four in Edmonton. So it mm-hmm. saves you from not having to do it. But if he wants to do it, it's just like Josh Ho saying for me. It's not retired. It's not a disrespect. It's just a part of the game. He wants to wear 94. He wears 94. Just like if he wore four, it's not, well, I guess it's going to be retired. But, uh, but Chris Russell being, if, he, if Chris Russell wasn't here, Jesus, this is good. Uh, if Chris Russell wasn't here and he wanted to wear four, so be it as well. You know, it's just, it's a part of the, a part of the thing. We have a lot of legends that have played here that have worn numbers. Some of them aren't retired. That's the way it is. For, for me, I kind of agree with what you're saying, Dan. Like, he can wear it if he wants, but it might not be the smartest move. Like, all you're really going to do is irk a section of the fan base. Like, no one's going to sit there and be like, oh, I love Tyson Berry because he's wearing 94. But people are going to sit there and be like, that fucking Berry wearing 94, disrespectful. So if he wants to do it, he can. And he should probably do it the right way by calling Ryan Smith saying, hey, can I wear 94? Then the Oilers should probably do a nice thing on social media. That's like Ryan Smith gives Tyson Berry his blessing and have the two of them talking. Like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, do you got to film that call. Film the call, make it like a heartfelt moment for Oilers fans. Have Ryan Smith say, I loved the memories I gave Oilers fans and I loved wearing 94 and I hope Tyson Berry gives you great memories as well, right? Like, you do that. But if I was Barry, just fucking steer clear, bro. Pick a new number. Wear 84. I'm with with you guys 100%. First of all, if he wants to escape criticism, just just don't do it. But if he does do it, this is the opportunity for the Oilers to fly Ryan Smith into town 
have him handing over a jersey to Tyson Berry with 94 on it and make it a thing. But, like, if he wants to avoid... So here's what's going to happen. He wears 94, and he fucks up, as every player does. And then people are just going to shit on him and pile on, and there's no point in it. So just wear just wear something else. Who cares? 84 is Ladison's number, for the record. Take Ladison's number. Fucking who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It does not matter. The team has to just take it out of... The team just has to remove it from conversation. Go, okay, four, once Russell's done, four is untouchable again. 94 is untouchable. Doesn't have to necessarily get retired the way the rest of them have because there's that whole um, Hockey Hall of Fame bullshit to tie to it. Do the Ring of Honor thing the uh, the Eskimos do or, or whatever. But, yeah, I think it's just easiest for the organization to take the number out of it and not make it, not allow it to be an issue. I just, I just don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, so Tyson Berry wears the number. It doesn't change what Ryan Smith did for the organization. Like, I, I think that they have pretty clearly set parameters that you just, you have to be in the Hall of Fame to have your number retired, and that's, and that's the way it is. So, so Low is up next. So we won't have to talk about number four anymore. But Ryan Smith isn't in the Hall of Fame, so he can wear the number. Totally, you know, I'm totally on board with that. But again, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree that if he wants to avoid the criticism, just walk away from 94. But but he's absolutely allowed to because it's just a number on a jersey. He's not replacing Ryan Smith in our memories. You just won't like, even just like Sheldon to... Surrey didn't replace Chris Pronger. Just well, see, like what's the, Zach what's the difference between a number and a, and a nickname then? What's that? What's the difference between a number and a nickname? Well, yeah, like, well, I mean... The, I, no, I one's allowed, no one calls no one calls Mike Smith Smitty because well they do all the time actually yeah they do well, I they know but you, you yeah, know, but, but but Dan but Dan you've made a you've made a, you've tried to like yeah. steer away yeah, from that right I do it again it's the same thing steer away from it if he wants to be if if Mike Smith comes out and says hey my nickname is Smitty then yes but like you can't control what people are saying about you that's that's different that's a different story I don't think you call him Smitty I don't think. I try to think of another one off the top of my head, but you don't call another person Gator like that's, but that's as a fan, right? It's not player to player. Like the player decides his number. So if he wants this criticism, all for it, wear 94, you're going to get some people that are going to be mad because you're, you're somehow besmirching Ryan Smith's name. But at the end of the day, he's not. Although if we, uh, if I'm, I'm just looking at a little bit of Jersey history right now, the people that don't care, there's Glenn Anderson, his numbers retired. Bernie Nichols yeah. wore it after him. Corson, Intra Nuvo, that for the people. Those were all worn before he went into the into the Hall of Fame. Yep, and then 17. Uh, Yari Curry's obviously going up. Rem Murray wore it last in 2002. 31. Uh, Ralph Nuvo. Uh, Nuvo wore 17. He wore number nine. <laughs> wore number nine. 31. Grant Fears up in the up in the rafters. Freddie Brathwaite wore it. Cujo. Joaquin Gage was the last in 2001. So it happens, right? Like Cujo didn't just besmirch Grant Fears' history. You know, like it's just I I just think we we those we are before we had any we, had, we didn't have any retired jerseys at that point. Any of those guys that that Bag Melkus mentioned, we didn't have any retired jerseys. Well, you know, but point. we but we definitely had plans to retire the Messiers, the Gretzkys, the Fears of the world. The Messiers like was still playing at that. Oh, I guess he was he's still in the Yeah, yeah. That's so was Gretzky, right? Like, it, so it's just I, I just think that I think that, and maybe it's an Edmonton thing. I don't know necessarily because I guess you think about Hosang that upset the rest of the league somehow uh, because that was besmirching Lemieux's character or whatever. But I just this number thing is just it just seems like. 
there's bigger fish to fry than what number a guy wears. I think maybe Oilers... he comes in. Maybe he comes in and takes Brian Young's seventy six. Oh, how pissed. dare you let Brian Young's number not be worn ever again? Or the uh, never forgotten Valentin Zykov from twenty nineteen or oh. seventy three. Mister Waivers. <laughs> I think the Oilers uh, should sign Josh Hosang to a PTO. Sure, why not? PTO everybody. Um, it's a two-hour time, uh, two-hour difference on his time zones, though. He's really going to work on that alarm clock issue. I will yeah, personally wake problem. him up. As long as he only, only wears 66. Changing yeah. gears to another guy who Tyson Berry will not be wearing his number, 41, Mike Smith back again. This one, not quite as popular amongst the fan base. <laughs> you don't uh, say. The, there were some defenders. I'm not saying there weren't. There's people that are going to be like, well, Smitty played well for, you know, in the back half of the season, which is true. But he was very inconsistent. And the first game he did play in the playing round, he was absolute dog shit. He would probably say it himself. So was the whole team. Agreed. 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 Uh, Thoughts real quick. Mike Smith, one-year contract. 1.5 million is his base. He can go up to two if he hits his bonuses. Tyler, I'm going to start with you on Mike Smith. I, it leaves you wanting more as an Oilers fan, doesn't it? Like, you wanted them to go out and significantly significantly improve their situation between the pipes, and they just didn't. Like, Mike Smith last year, you said it. He was inconsistent. The good moments were real good. The bad moments were real bad. And I worry about an aging goaltender who is now a year older. I worry that the good moments just simply won't be as good, and the inconsistent stretches will last longer than they did last year. So there's risk in this signing. It could work. It could. Mike Smith could come back, have a great season. I'm sure he's going to come in in incredible shape. And I think he gives them a bit of a spark between the pipes as well. But it just left me wanting a little bit more. And I don't love the fact they gave him a million and a half base salary. I think that was unnecessary. Who else was going to sign this guy? They probably could have got him for a million bucks or 900K. Dan, what do you think, Mike Smith? Well, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, Tyler just kind of hit on everything. I I think it was, you know, months ago when, when, uh, Ken Holland said he wasn't going to leave Mike Smith off the table kind of thing. And I said, yeah, that makes sense. You know, he's plan Z of, of 25 other plans before him. Seems like maybe he was in like the plan E plan F kind of range now. Um, you know, they, they went through the, the Holtby's and the, and the Markstrom's of the world. And then it was just kind of like, okay, Smith, you're our guy again. Uh, you know, I guess, when you look at the quality of people around him, you were signing question marks as it is. Uh, so it, it makes sense to just go with the question mark that you know a little bit more of and the coach trusts. We, I think we all, we can all agree with that, that, that Tippett is just, you know, a Mike Smith guy and that's the way it is. Uh, but I think that the other reality we have to look at is that Nico Koskinen is going to get the bulk of the starts this year. He's going to start so. 70% of the game. Yeah. And that's, and they, uh, and that's what you have to think the signal is with, with signing Smith as opposed to signing a, you know, a, a, a Thomas Grice or whatever, whoever was available at that at that moment after all the big names went away. So, I, I think that it was good that they that they tried to identify it as an as a, a thing going forward. I'm glad that they didn't sign Markstrom for seven years of his uh, of his life away after 30. Um, but you know, it's it, it's disappointing to see on the fact that he's he was Plan E. And like Tyler said, he got paid probably a million and a half more than we should have wanted to pay him. Rick? Yeah, I know. You guys uh, you guys nailed it right there. I mean, I was excited about uh, everything we had done up until that point. Um, 
again on the you know on the opposite side of things, I still want to sit there and give uh, Holland a, a, a pat on the back. You know, he just um, he had certain caps for each individual player, and he refused to go over them. That's two two off seasons in a row that he's been not willing to uh, overspend. This year, it, it turned out uh, it turned out a little much in our benefit getting Turris and Ennis for the price we did. Um, we do end up with Mike Smith, who you're right, he probably was like flying E or F. But I think there's also a little bit of, at least you know what you're getting, as opposed to bringing in somebody else who you might think he's 0.2 or 0.3, whatever, better than, uh, than, than, than Smith, but you don't know exactly what you're getting. So I think we're going to sit here and look at Koskinen having to be the number one and Smith the number two. And Koskinen, you know, last year he played one game less. But in the year before, he played 55 games. So if you get, you know, who knows how many plays, how many games he played this year? If we play 60, you know, Koskinen gets 45 of them. It's yeah. only 15 games for Mike Smith. We play 82. Well, Koskinen already proved that he can play 55. You might have to bump that up to 57, 58, 60, somewhere in there, um, depending exactly how Smith is after each one of his games. But you know, it is what it is. It's not the end of the world. Um, I would, you know, there's definitely de- uh, different names out there you'd rather have, but you know what you're getting yourself into. These two guys work well together, and yeah, as long as we see Nico play 75 percent of the games, I think it'll be okay. Uh, the other That's thing the too, big- sorry, just with the money side of things, ask yourself, and this could be an, in- this is probably the defense of the move is what helps this team more next year: a combination of Tyson Berry and Mike Smith, or a combination of Thomas Grice and a replacement level defenseman. Yeah, exactly. we're going back to the whole Lucic, um, Larson versus Hall, uh, Demers thing, right? I guess yeah. and we lost out on. I don't know. Well, I guess you probably say we lost out on that one, but you're right. I think with uh, when you when you put them together with uh, with Barry, and then you look at what the opposite would have been, somebody less than Barry, but somebody marginally better than Smith, we're probably better off in the situation we're in. Just for me, I just my big thing on Mike Smith is I first of all I would love for him to prove me wrong. I'd love for him to prove me wrong and come in and have a great season for the Oilers. I'd love it. I'll be the first to admit my I was wrong. I'll throw a hand up in the air and I'll say, Mike Smith, I'm sorry. Please don't hurt me. However, what I will say is that Dave Tippett, I really need him to shake the Smith thing that he's got because there was like a clear, that's his boy. That's his boy from back in the desert. And I think that if this team is going to be successful, they need to go with the goalie that is that was the more consistent performer last year, which was well, Miko. Miko had a nine seventeen compared to his nine oh two. So um I understand what everyone's worried about with 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 the coach and the goalie there, but I think the coach well hopefully the coach is smart enough to realize he's got to roll with his uh his better one and utilize his backup in more of the backup role rather than the one B. Uh, before we get to our Oodle Noodle Hog Cold Performance of the Week here to wrap things up, just I want to go around the horn really quickly. Who's the biggest surprise in free agent for you guys? And I'm going to steal the obvious one. I'm saying Taylor Hall to Buffalo is shocking. Um, he got offers from Colorado. I know he got one from Edmonton. Um, I thought that was surprising. Not a bad play for Halsey by any means. He's got he got his money. He's going to go into Buffalo. If they shit the bed, he's going to get traded to a, a playoff team at the deadline. Paves the way for a return next year? Question mark? Maybe, probably not. But um, that was the biggest surprise for me. I'm going to start with Dan. Who's the biggest surprise for you in free agency so far? I I think it was the Vancouver Canucks' inability to really do much to kind of stop the bleeding. 
They've lost uh, a t- two top defensemen, top four defensemen. They've lost their goalie. They they lost uh, you know some depth players, and they just really didn't fill those gaps. I know that uh, a lot of rumblings around Canucks Twitter said that this was kind of the 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 pay the cashing of the paychecks kind of thing from from a couple years of Benning trying to really accelerate the rebuild, but the team. The team that I think all of us would say we were pretty scared of got got worse this offseason. So the Vancouver Canucks for me was my my big surprise. Tyler, what do you think? I really agree with Dan's point actually on Vancouver because I don't think they had a very good offseason. I was like, as a whole, St. Louis botching that situation with Alex Petrangelo was just yes. incredibly puzzling to me. You go back yeah. to, you know, you know, the over the last year, giving 3.75 to Scandella, six point whatever to Falk. And then all of a sudden, not being able to afford your captain, not being able to offload the money, yeah, your best defenseman, your captain, all that stuff, one of your best players, a guy who led you to a cup, not being able to bring him back and arguing over a couple million with him, but then being okay paying Tory Krug seven point whatever million, the the situation in St. Louis was just bizarre to me and didn't make a ton of sense. Rick, biggest surprise for you. Um, I think it's going to go down to the contracts of either Matt Murray or Josh Anderson out in Montreal. I know Montreal did a lot of good things anyways, but that contract they gave him was based on a whole bucket load of potential, I think. And I think some of that potential is from a couple of years ago. And I think it has to be kind of spilling away the fact that he's not really living up to it right now. He didn't play, what did he play, like four games last year or something so like that? Like, yeah, he didn't play much. Um, you're really taking an opportunity giving that much money and that much term to a guy who really hasn't done anything besides, you know, he really hasn't lived up to his potential. So I'm going to go between, yeah, that contract and that Matt Murray contract. Those are two big head scratches for me. Tyler, it's time to get your buttons ready. We are looking at our Oodle Noodle Hot and Cold Performers of the Week. As always, if you go into any of the 14 Oodle Noodle locations, they are donating 10% of takeout and curbside orders to local charities and initiatives. This week, if you haven't seen it, you got to go to Oodle Noodle's social media, be it Instagram at Oodle Noodlegram or on Twitter at Oodle underscore Noodle to see Jay getting himself, turn himself into a princess. So it was, they worked with Positively Princessed this week who they go around to hospitals and perform for people and Jay got princess training and boy does he look pretty and dainty as he dances around and frolics and I've already had fun making memes about him and <laughs> this is only the beginning so go into any oodle noodle that is near you I guarantee there's one near you get yourself something to eat while also contributing to a great cause as we do every single episode, we start with our veggies and we are looking at the cold performers from the last seven days. I'm going to start with Rick as he's walking through back into the office at the pint, your Oodle Noodle cold performer of the week. I think it's simple, boys. Vancouver Canucks, they had an opportunity to take their team forward and they didn't. They dropped the ball and they got they got worse. So I'll, uh, I'll accept that. It's going to make our life a little bit easier. Mr. Nation, Dan, your Oodle Noodle Cold Performer of the Week. Well, not to pile on, but it's also going to be the Vancouver Canucks and the Winnipeg Jets for helping out division rival or former division rival, the Vegas Golden Knights, with multiple trades to be able to get them out from underneath the cap hell that they keep creating for themselves 
and be able to sign another amazing defenseman for a couple years until they trade him away to another team for a fucking third round pick as well. What the hell is going on? <laughs> I love that pun. Tyler, your oodle noodle cold performer of the week. This one's personal. I'm not going to share the full story. In fact, I'm hoping to share it on an episode of Real Life soon. Uh, but it goes to the girl who swung her car door open incredibly hard and smoked my car door in the Safeway parking lot. Um, boy, I really hope she starts replying to my texts right away because I want to get my door fixed. Uh, that girl, uh, she's my cold performer of the week. <laughs> I recommend going to Tyler's. Uh, was that on Twitter you posted the picture? Yeah, um, there, there's a story behind it. It's not a great story, but I'd say it's a good story. I'll share it. Once I get my car fixed and i'm not worried about any repercussions <laughs> of me going public with this story i will share it on real life uh my oodle noodle called performer of the week has nothing to do with the nhl i just want to say i fucking hated this season of big brother it was so boring nothing happened it was so stupid nobody took moves everybody was they just were friends and it was boring and i hated it and i can't wait till it's over big brother you suck i hate you we have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out <laughs> deceived. That's exactly how I felt. Thank you. Uh, we're going to go to the hot performers of the week. A little bit of positivity um, from the last seven days in our lives. And this time I'm going to start with Mr. Yeremchuk. Hello. Your hot performer of the week. I'm actually going to give it uh, to Ken Holland. I like the work he did over the last week or over the last month. I'll even say that. The Pujarv deal, solid. Ennis deal, amazing. Tourist deal, I like it. Barry deal, I love it. Smith deal, I'll give you a pass because you gave us four other good moves. Ken Holland is my hot performer of the week. I like this right here. I like that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Nation, Dan, your Oodle Noodle hot performer of the week. Interesting. Dan is on mute. Dan, the, bo- mute. the, the correct Dan thing to do, Dan, is, is to mute. unmute oh. yourself. I was scrambling to try and find a new one because it was going to be Ken Holland. Um, but you know what? It's going to go to Taylor Hall because he somehow every time he goes into free agency, he keeps that door open as to, you know, it might be Edmonton. And then he left the door open again with the report that maybe he's just signed that one-year deal to be able to come back home again after this season. So it's Taylor Hall for getting that money and keeping the door open on a return forever. Cash money. Provided that that doesn't mean that they have to make a choice between he and Nuge, I would be fine with that. Um, Rick, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. Well, I think I'm going to go with a personal one here, too, and I'm going to give it to the Buffalo Sabres. Not just for bringing in my buddy Taylor Hall, but going in and bringing buddy of the whole nation network. Yeah. Adding yep. Brandon Davidson to their uh, to their lineup. Yep. I was able to have a quick little chat with him there whenever the hell it was done, and yeah, he, sent, he seems pretty pumped up. You know, he likes the fact that Ralph's there, and he said, hey, I think it would be a good fit. So uh, then they get a sneak in from Taylor Hall afterwards. So, yeah, hopefully things work out for them. Put some respect on my name. Love the Brandon Davidson signing. He's a good yeah. dude, great guy. Love seeing him get the shot out in Buffalo. My Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week, just to wrap things up, I'm going to go right here on the podcast and wish a very happy birthday to Tyler Uremchuk, who just celebrated yesterday. Nobody likes him when he's 23, as Blink once said, but I do. I like the way he looks today. I like the way he smells, and I like the way he hugs me when he's drunk. So I'm going to give my <laughs> Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week to Tyler Rebchuk. Yeah! Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And Dan, I just saw you posted on uh, Instagram about some Twitch trivia. If you could please walk us through that as we wrap up the show. 
Yeah, so uh, Wednesday night, we're going to have the triumphant return to Oilers, official Oilers Nation on Twitch, and we'll have some uh, Oilers-related uh, trivia there, and you'll be able to win some prizing. Prizing is to be determined, so it's just kind of vague on those details right now. But uh, Wednesday night at 7 p.m., just follow us on a Twitch at official Oilers Nation. And uh, hope to see everybody there. We'll have some trivia fun for everyone. Always good. Get your Oilers knowledge intact. Mr. Nation Dan is going to be hosting a little bit of trivia. Wants you to win some prizes, but you got to flex that big old brain ears. Got to do it. From Tyler Uremchuk, Rick, and Nation Dan, I am Bag Milk. Thanking you all for being here again, though. I'm disappointed in each and every one of you that make it this far in the podcast because there is no new reviews in Apple Podcasts, and I just want to read your shit. That's all I want to do. Yeah. I want to, I want to read what you think. How do they how do they go about to do this? What do, what do you got to click to get this done? You can just go to find Oilers Nation Radio on Apple Podcasts, subscribe right there, and you can also rate and comment right there. Super easy. You can do it right from your phone. You can do it on the toilet if you want. You can oh, even tell us you're, you can even tell us you're doing it on the toilet. For Spotify, there's the same kind of system. It's just go in and rate and then send in a you can submit a, a message and we have to read it on the air. So that's the, the caveat. I'd love to read it. That's what I want to do. Rate, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a cousin, tattoo it on your face. I don't care. Just get this podcast out there. We're growing and we're grateful for you. I want to thank Sherwood Ford, the Giants, Skip the Dishes, and Noodle Noodle for making it all possible and each and every one of you for being here. I am Bag Milk. This is 108, episode 108 of Oilers Nation Radio. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.